I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge mantids? Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Hey, Parrotfish, how you doing? Hey, commoner, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure everyone listening is well aware, but you're just like a wealth of knowledge and you post so much helpful content that I, I'm just so excited to, to learn a bit here tonight. So for those who may not know, somehow, could you please introduce yourself and what you talk about on Twitter? Absolutely, yes. And thank you so much. Um, that's such a huge compliment coming from you because mm. everybody loves your content and your podcasts have been amazing. So uh, we really appreciate all the value you've contributed to the jungle. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm Parrotfish for anonymity purposes. And I basically post a lot of content around making Wi-Fi money. Uh, that's something I've been doing for a decade now. I don't want to call myself an expert, but I have a lot of experience and I'd I love think to share that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're so sweet. Oh my gosh. Thank you. But I try to do my best. I try to share my experiences in my Wi-Fi journey and also really focus on e-commerce because I feel like e-commerce is the way to go. I mean, everybody is like dabbling um, shopping online. And so I really focus on generally Wi-Fi money, but more specifically e-commerce. And that's what my Substack content is focused on as well. So I've always wondered this. How did you get your start? How did you wind up selling stuff on the internet? So I've always been like a business owner at heart, but I remember like when I was eight years old, selling lemonade, probably a lot of other people in the jungle have done that before. And I loved it. I loved the opportunity of like creating something that people actually wanted to buy. Like that just gave me the biggest rush that I've I could ever feel. Um, and then when I was like 12, I started getting interested in like making jewelry and crafts and selling those to my friends and my classmates. And I felt so, like such a cool girl that I could do something like that. And then as I got older, like I started selling online, like uh, pet collars, like custom made mm -hmm. pet collars. Um, and that does really well. So I did a sub stack on how to start a pet store because everybody has pets these days. And, um, yeah, especially if you do stuff that's custom, like you can really make a killing. But I've, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always been passionate about offering um, products that I believe in and also help people, help people make their lives easier. And so I learned from family members who ran their own businesses. I learned from practice um, when I was younger. My dad has a tech and business background. So he helped me a lot with like focusing on a specific niche. And then... Um, when I was in the corporate world, I had the opportunity to learn a lot more about sales and marketing, which I think is extremely essential. If you're starting your business, you have to understand sales. You have to understand marketing. Shout out to like sales guy because mm -hmm. he is really valuable within the jungle as well in terms of that side of running a business. Also, when I worked in the corporate world, I learned a lot in that sense of um, the enterprise side of business and working with enterprise clients, because that's who I worked with when I was in the corporate world. Um, but I knew that I was not going to spend the rest of my life working for somebody else. So eventually I started my own thing. It sounds like you had a knack for it from a young age and selling things when you were young. I actually never was a, a sale kind of kid. I was kind yeah. of a shy I always and I still am so the sales part is probably the toughest part for me just being mm -hmm. comfortable and I've mentioned this before but I had this horrible experience trying to sell ads for my local newspaper to local businesses that did not want to buy them it was my high school newspaper it was brutal brutal cold calling Saturday all morning I don't think I learned very much, like I learned rejection but I don't think I learned a lot of helpful sales tips. I learned a lot more from reading about Sales Guy. And I think it's so vital. Like, it's obviously so, so important. And I need to get better at it. But I did not have a um, affinity for it, which I think you may have. I basically, like, when I was in the corporate world, I just knew, like, this is not where I want to be for the rest of my life. Yes, I had a great job. Yes, I had great benefits. Yes, I had wonderful coworkers and an amazing boss. This is all true. But I knew that I wanted to do my own thing eventually. And so I didn't know how I was going to do it. I had no mentor. I had nobody like telling me exactly how to do it because for starters, my parents were not like 
supportive of it. They were like, oh no, you need to keep your job. You need to keep your benefits. What are you doing? This Mm -hmm. is crazy. Like, don't do this. And I understood where they're coming from. They're boomers, like in their (laughs) generation, right? In their generation, that's what you did. You stuck Mm -hmm. with one company. You were the company man. You stayed, you were loyal. And that's how it was back then. And if that's how it was today, maybe I would have chosen a different path, but it's just not like that today. Like you cannot you cannot expect any company to be loyal to you. And so I don't understand why you would want to be loyal to them. Things change all the time. Economy changes all the time. Even at my old company, like people were getting laid off like every six or 12 months. You never knew when you were going to be the next on that list. And I was just kind of like tired of living that way and not and feeling like out of control of any situation. If the economy goes downhill, you're off, you know, you're out. Um, And I just didn't want to feel that way anymore. So I basically just started doing something on the side, which I highly recommend for people that are still working at respectfully, they're gay for pay. Um, (laughs) Start on the side (laughs) while you got your full-time job because you obviously need an income. We live in a money-based system. We have rent, we have bills to pay, right? So I don't recommend like just quitting cold turkey and starting something if you don't have experience, if you don't know what you're going to do. But that's what I did. I started something on the side. And when it started like working out for me, okay, I don't recommend this to people, but for me, it didn't replace my full-time income, but I was ready to leave the corporate world. So I said, I know I'm going to make this work. I don't even care if I'm not really making that much money. I'm going to figure it out. And that's exactly what I did. And this is really crazy. And again, I don't recommend this to most people, but I was single. I didn't have like anyone to answer to. I was young. So I just basically like, turned in my two weeks. Thank you, but I'm out. I moved to a new city where I didn't have immediate families nearby. And I basically told myself that I'm burning the boats. And if I don't make it, I'm going to be homeless. And the last thing I want to do is be homeless. So I better make it. Oh my God. That is no, the best story I've ever heard. Like it built this stone exterior to me. And like, I love that you mentioned rejection. It's really difficult to deal with rejection. But when I put myself in that position, it was like, okay, you can throw whatever you want my way. I literally was like this close to being on the streets. So whatever you throw my way, I can handle it. Yeah, you got to put yourself sometimes in really hard positions and do really difficult things that builds up your confidence, that builds up your ability to to like withstand difficult times in life. I, I totally understand that. And I think if you never step out of the gay for pay, as you would say, you'll never trust yourself enough to try. It's almost like um, it's a paradox. You have to throw yourself into the fire, especially if you're risk averse like me, and you have to build the confidence. The only way to build the confidence is to do it. So it's, it's a, I understand why people never do it. And so right now I'm doing exactly what you said, burning the midnight oil, doing the nine to five, doing something on the side. So technically I'm not risking anything. The only thing I'm risking is if my job finds any of my content, that's a risk. But (laughs) other than that, I'm just risking my time. But you're doing it the right way. Like what I did was people call that crazy. And my parents were like, what are you doing? You're crazy. We're not going to help you. We're not going to support this. I was alone. I was alone. I didn't have support. Like the first three years were really a struggle. Like, I mean, I'm not even going to tell you, like my budget was like pennies. Like I was like, I was like almost a beggar, but not <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> the most fabulous beggar. I bet. You know, like when people are like, oh, you're comfortable now, you're doing well, like, oh my gosh, like you have nothing to worry about. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Don't even tell me that because unless you like put yourself in that position where I was in, where I was like on the verge of homelessness, if I didn't make it, like I came up, like it, it this wasn't handed to me. Like mm. I literally like blood, sweat and tears for what I have. So it feels even better for me, I think when you do it that way. I can totally, well, I can't imagine, but I can imagine. <laughs> do you look back on those years fondly? Honestly, I do. Like back then I was crying a lot to be <laughs> to be honest and a lot of sleepless nights to be, to be honest. Twitter, like a lot of people are talking about this like 
monk mode and you know going into monk mode to make things work out I, I totally understand that i completely relate to that because that's exactly what i did i didn't watch tv like even today like i started developing this habit it's like i stopped watching tv i stopped watching streaming um eliminated all distractions because my main priority was to get my business up and running and i think that's still important today you don't have to go into monk mode like for your entire life but i think it's really um critical to do that for a portion of when you're starting your business you need to eliminate a lot of distractions and so i've kept some of those habits like i would say like like you know people are always talking about oh did you see this show on netflix or oh did you see this new show on hulu i've like never ever seen it because <laughs> i literally watch like maybe one or two hours of shows a month um and it's not because like outside of my business and it's out outside of like my family and my friends like i feel like you know, watching shows sometimes is kind of a waste of time. Yeah. For me, you'll never know what opportunities will present themselves to you once you like put yourself into it like 100%. Um, once I started my business, like after a few years, I had this opportunity to be on the board of a company that I cannot mention, but I was on the board with the late John McAfee. Mm -hmm. And that was like super interesting to me. And I would have never had that opportunity if I was still working for somebody else. Cause A, that would have been a conflict of interest and B like, I would have just never known about anything like that because I wasn't putting myself out there as a business. Um, and so there's like so many opportunities that if you get through the struggle and you get through the hard parts of running your business that you'll, that will open up to you. And I'm sure you're seeing that now too, as you're doing your podcast, like, it's just like a, a whole new world. I completely relate to that. And you don't know the seeds that you're planting. Like if you put yourself in the position to be successful whenever, yeah. wherever you can, but you, you don't know what that's going to lead to. You don't know what that tie is. Like every piece of content you make, every article you write, every tweet, like you can make it as good as you can, but you don't know who's going to see it. That's kind of the beauty of it. I literally tweeted, oh, I should, I should start a podcast and Jester dm'd me and was like you should do that and so like off offhand and i'm like okay so then i dm'd you know bowtied ranger and masculine millennial and then they said yes like it was crazy exactly and look at you like it's just a matter of time before your stuff starts to blow up and then you're just gonna be like you know i'm gonna do this full time mm -hmm. i mean really it is thank you for saying that some days it doesn't feel like that some days it does so today is yeah. like a half day <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I get it. it. <laughs> Do you think you you said this? You have to go monk mode. There's no escaping it. Yeah, I think you do. I don't. I can't tell people how long they need to go into monk mode for. That just depends on the person. It depends on what level you're at. It depends on what stage you're at in your Wi-Fi money journey. Um, for me, I literally went into monk mode for like almost two years, mm -hmm. and people are like, "How do you do that? How do you do that?" And I'm just like, "I really don't know." I was just so passionate. I like when your passion supersedes your desire for instant gratification for streaming for entertainment for whatever like you just do it also because of what i just shared with you that i put myself in another city i burned my boats my parents weren't supportive at first i had to make it so i had to go into mock mode in order to do that um and that varies for for per from person to person um and some people like three months is good. Some people, they might be in monk mode for like the first three years. I, mm -hmm. It's depending on how well you're focused on your business and how well things start um, turning out for you. Um, but I do think it's really important to eliminate a lot of the distractions that take you away from launching your business and trying to make it successful and learning as you go along because you're always going to be learning. Mm -hmm. I think... Um... That's a good point that monk mode may look different for a lot of people because just in the five minutes we've been talking, you seem like an all or nothing kind of person. You just kind of give <laughs> off that vibe. I'm like a gradual cold turkey person. So I would say I'm like fairly monk right now, but I'll go out once a month or something like that. Or if my friend flies to town, like we'll do fun things. Like I'll, I'll schedule around it, but six out of seven days of the week three or four hours is dedicated to this. And that is doable to me. That's feasible. I can do that for two more years. I don't think I could do full on monk right now. And that's totally fine. And I think that's really mm -hmm. important. What, what, you're, what I'm hearing from you is that at the very least you're consistent. And that's really actually mm -hmm. to me, the most important part of it. 
It's just to be consistent. Don't just start something and then like forget about it for a month and then come back to it and then forget about it. Like literally, if you can only do like two or three hours a day, give it that two or three hours a day, but give it your all during those two or three hours. So I, I imagine that there were some failures at the beginning and probably throughout the process. How did you not get discouraged? How did you not give up? Because you burned the boats? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what worked for me. Um, and and you have to you have to know who you are as a person. You have to be really self aware to understand what's going to work for you and what's going to motivate you because we all have different motivations. Um, my motivation isn't necessarily money. Like it's nice to have some of that coming in um, once things started getting better. But my motivation is really to like be successful and to offer something of value that people are willing to pay for and not just pay for, but pay well for. And as far as the struggles are concerned, fortunately, like once I started like getting this ball rolling with my business, um, my dad started becoming like increasingly supportive because he saw how passionate I was about it and how I wasn't giving up. It wasn't just something that I was just going to like try out for a month or two and then be like, ah, it didn't work out. I'm going to go back and find a job. No, like I literally like gave, gave up a lot to, to make this work for me. And when my dad noticed that, then he was really supportive. So that really helped out. He gave me a lot of advice, like not, not in terms of like finance and stuff. Cause like, we're not, I didn't come from like, mm-hmm. I'm not a trust fund baby. Like I didn't come from that kind of background, but um, my dad does have a business background. And so like when, when he, he realized that I was really serious about this, then, you know, he was there to talk to me when I would have down days. And I think that's really important to have somebody like that in your life, somebody that is going to support you through the ups and downs, whether that's your parent, whether that's your best friend, whether that's your significant other, we all need somebody like that in our life. So um, I would have to give a lot of credit to my dad for helping me out when I was struggling with like really solid advice and also encouragement not to give up. Yeah. I think I think that's a very important piece of advice because when you go into monk mode, that doesn't mean that you need to completely isolate yourself. Um, right. There was a period over the summer where I was completely working from home and I didn't have a ton of work for my nine to five. So I was literally just making videos all day yeah. long and I wasn't talking to people. And I realized like, wow, this is how you go insane. Like this is actually torture in some countries solitary confinement like that you shouldn't do this so there's there's a different (laughs) I learned my lesson to say the least yeah I'm glad you brought that up absolutely like mock mode doesn't mean like you're not talking to anybody for you know every day but it just means you're eliminating the distractions that don't help you to accomplish your goals for at least a short at least like a short period of time I think is really important but yeah you still need a a support network whomever that might be for you Totally, totally agree. And on the topic of things that kind of get misconstrued, what's one of the things you see people do wrong all the time when they're trying to start a business on the side, try to start a Wi-Fi business? What's one thing you see them do wrong? So I feel like we live in a very um, instant gratification culture these days. And people think that, oh, I started a business. I should be a multimillionaire now. Like, seriously, um, I don't understand why people still think that way. Like, at, at the same time, you have more tools at your disposal today than you've ever had when even when I first started. It's like night and day with the opportunities that are presented that are available for people who do want to start a Wi-Fi business. It's amazing to me because when I first started, even though like, yeah, it was a decade ago, but literally technology has evolved so rapidly that you have so many more tools at your disposal to do like literally anything you feel passionate about and you want to do at the same time, like people, I think the biggest mistake people make is, is, not like you said earlier, not stepping out of your comfort zone or not being comfortable stepping out of your comfort zone and realizing that it's not going to happen overnight. For some people it might, but for most people it doesn't. And and you'll read, I recommend reading a a lot of like biographies of Mm -hmm. successful entrepreneurs, whoever you, whoever inspires you um, and see how they came up too. Like it's never an overnight success for most people. It certainly I'm still a work in progress myself and, and I'm doing okay, but like, it was not an overnight thing for me. So I think the biggest mistake I see a lot of people have is like, they go at it for like a month or two, maybe they even go into monk mode for a month or two. And it's still not like, you know, 
the revenue and the profits are not where they want it to be and they get frustrated and they're like, screw this, I give up, I'm gonna go back and find a job, I'm gonna go back to my gay for pay, this isn't working out. You gotta, you have to give things a chance. You have to give things a chance to unfold. You have to give yourself a chance. You have to be patient and you have to ride the wave. And that's what's gonna make you even more successful in the long term because when you're dealing with all of the tough stuff at the first few years, you build a resilience, you build a strong exterior so that when when you're dealing with larger profits and more revenue and you have to hire people, you're gonna need that inner strength that you built up during the rough and tough times. I completely agree with the point about reading biographies. One of my favorite books is Shoe Dog, which is the story of Nike. It's like a fantastic story, just really well written. And he tells a lot of stories about how the people he hired wouldn't cash the checks early on that he gave them because they knew they were so tight for cash. And it was like (laughs) this early startup and he found them in the drawers or something like that. I just, it's this, all these crazy stories and now it's a billion, billion, billion dollar company. And the thing he wrote at the end was after all that happened, I just want to go back and do it again. Like with all this money, all this success, he retired. He's not on the board anymore. He's like, I just, I just want to go do it and build it all over again. It's fun. It's totally yeah. fun. It's hard, but it's also fun, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, I, it's like you learn to love it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, when you win, oh, there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's such a rush and yeah. it, it you can't, it's indescribable because you know that that's your 100% from your effort, right? I, building is fun, I think. So you have to enjoy that, yeah. And um, I remember someone tweeted, I forget who it was, he was like, I've traveled, I've gone partying, like eventually all there's left to do is build. Totally. It build as opposed to consume. Consuming over consumption, it for me makes me feel empty inside and never satisfied. There's always something new. There's always another shiny object to pursue. And, and that's another thing like related to the mistakes I see people make is they want that shiny object right away because they're so used to it with everything at our fingertips these days so you have to be the type of person that has patience you know you just have to enjoy the process of building and then let it like let it marinate (laughs) so this has been already a wealth of knowledge and you're clearly so amazing at this would you call yourself a boss babe (laughs) (laughs) no absolutely not oh my god (laughs) why not that is my least favorite term. I hate that term. Like it was, it, it's so cringy to me. I'm sorry, respectfully to people who use it. I just have never used that term regarding myself. I don't even feel that way. Yes, I do have people who work for me now, but I'm never going to ever refer to myself as a boss babe. Like, I just think that's weird. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business person. I happen to be female. So what? Like, who cares? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? I'm not going to go out there and be like, oh my gosh, I'm this boss, babe. Like what I'm the only boss I'm really the boss of is myself. And then my, my other boss, my, my main boss is God. So like, I've never used that term to describe myself and you will never hear me say it. And if you do, then you'll know it's not me. (laughs) And then we know the feds have gotten the account. That's how we know. (laughs) Um, Yes. I I completely agree. I, I don't think I could ever call myself that. I think I don't know why I just have such an aversion to it, but it's pretty gross. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where that came from. I think it's like a feminist thing and that's fine and that's their choice to do it. But um, yeah, it's not for me. So what would your advice be to smart, ambitious young women? Would you tell them to burn the boats? You know, that burning the boats is not for everyone. So I would not. <laughs> I would tell them what I did. And if that is helpful to them, then that's helpful. But if not, then that's fine too. Like basically just to not be afraid to make mistakes because they're all opportunities for learning. That's life. You make mistakes, you're human. Don't give up. Don't let that hold you back. You know, use it as an opportunity for learning. Secondly, I would tell young, ambitious, smart women like yourself, like, you know, other women in the jungle, Don't let anyone tell you that what you're trying to do is impossible. Don't ever think that your venture, your dreams, your uh, pursuit of Wi-Fi money is impossible because it's not. And also don't let people tell you you're too young and inexperienced to do it. 
where else are you going to start? You, you start off young and inexperienced. Like you're not just going to start off knowing how to run a business if you've never run a business before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so believe in yourself, believe in your dreams, believe you have what it takes um, because I've done it and I am not perfect. I'm not a saint. I'm not a genius. Uh, there are a lot of people way smarter than me that haven't started a business. Maybe that's part of why I was like, okay to do it because I wasn't that smart. I don't know. Like I didn't think about it too analytic analytically. I just jumped in. I dove in head first. Um, not everyone can do it, but dip your toe in the water, try it out. Don't give up. And then always be open to change and improvement because things are going to change. Markets are going to change. Economy is going to change. Culture is going to change. Consumers are going to change. So just be open to change and improvement. But for the most part, like don't give up, be consistent and don't be afraid to make mistakes. We all make them. So it's really interesting because we both have an aversion to this word boss babe, but we are both grinding and you have already successfully been grinding, but me just grinding on the side, trying to make money, trying to hustle, trying to start a business. But I don't want to be called a boss babe. And I think that there's like this conservative lens that women can't do this. And it's really interesting to me, like, what is my role supposed to be? What should I be doing? Because I have a feeling you're conservative. You just mentioned God, so that gave it away. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what's your take on that? Like the conservative movement, women are in the house. What do you think? Of course. Like, I totally support traditional female roles. Absolutely, 100%. Unfortunately, we live in a world that it is where you need to make money. And if you're not in that role yet, somehow you're gonna have to figure out how to pay your bills if you don't come from like a wealthy family, which I don't. Simultaneously, I will tell you, and I've told other people in the jungle, like part of the, another part of the reason why I left my gay for pay is because it was like becoming really gay for pay. Like Mm -hmm. everything was politicized. Everything was becoming super woke. That just didn't align with my values as a person. I've always been a traditional kind of person. And so I knew that if I started my own thing, I would be free to practice my faith. Not that I am preaching to my customers, but nobody is going to tell me that I can't be free and go to church when I want to go, pray when I want to pray, things of that sort. And also, if I was working for somebody else, say like my significant other wants to move to another country, say my significant other wants to move to another state, if I'm working for somebody else, that would be extremely difficult for me to do. If I have my own business, I'm a lot more flexible in that in that. Um, mm-hmm. settings, right? Um, if we have a family and I still have a business, I'm a lot more flexible in that sense, as opposed to working for someone else, someone else telling me not just what to do, when to do it, how to do it, but what to think at this point, because a lot of co- corporations now are like super woke. And so you have to like tow that politicized company line. And I just got tired of doing that. And whereas if I'm running my own business, I can think the way I want to think. I can feel free to practice my faith. I can be the Christian that I am. I can be as traditional as I want to be. And that suits me just fine. It sounds like the dream to me. And I, I completely understand that. And I think that's my goal too. I think my worst fear would be to be a wage slave with like little kids. And, yeah. And I've seen women at my job try to do it. And it's just so difficult. They're like organizing the nanny and they're trying to make meetings and the kid is sick and they can't be home with them or they are home with them, but they can't make the meeting. And it's just chaos every day. And it's just so, so difficult. Props to them for doing it, but it's just not what I want for my life. And that's a huge reason why I have started trying to do something on the side. And it's funny that you mentioned like, this is helping me be like a conservative woman a christian woman because i'm so flexible i can add to the home in that way that's how my boyfriend sees it and he like he doesn't want me to have to work a nine to five if i don't want to but in his eyes it's like retiring a racehorse before it's even gone you know like what else am i going to be doing with my time right now so (laughs) it's like might as well see what happens yes i love that I think like in terms of like your family okay so say you have a family and you're trying to run a business for me And in my family, our values have always been family first. I always put my family first. Even if my business is doing well now, yes, I went into monk mode. Yes, I I sacrificed a lot to make this work. Yes, I put myself against the wall. Yes, I burned the boats. But still, my family always comes first. No, actually, my family comes second. Let me, I'm sorry. God comes first. Okay. Mm. My family comes second and then my business. But either way, those are my priorities. And so, like, say if you have a family, 
I feel like you are a lot more flexible if you're running a business as opposed to working for someone else, just like you've described, um, because you can set the terms of when you're going to work your business. If you need to work your business from like um, 10 to 12 midnight, because that's when your kids are asleep, you can do it. It doesn't, but at the same time, like remember your priorities, right? So make sure that you're, you're going to have to be organized. You're going to have to be flexible, but that's the beauty of having a business. And especially once your business is flowing, which I think young, ambitious, ambitious, smart women like yourself have time to do before you start a, start, start a family is like you get your business organized and flowing. So when you do have a family, you absolutely can set the terms of when you're going to work, put your kids first, put your husband first, put God first, and then work your two to two to four hours, however many hours a day on your business, you'll have time to do it. So you'll be having an income, you put your family first, you put God first, but also you can teach your kids like the ins and outs of running their own business too, because they're probably gonna wanna do the same thing. They probably don't wanna work for a woke corporation either if mom and dad are traditional people. This is the kind of empowerment that like I wanna be a part of where you are empowered to control your own life, but you don't have to give up your life to big law, to the corporate world. I just get such a bad flavor to it when you hear female empowerment and then everyone's like, oh, feminist. Like I am not a feminist. I'm an anti-feminist. People say, yeah. my friends tell me I'm anti-woman, <laughs> but no, that's pro-woman. Like for me, yeah. <laughs> I would agree pro-woman. with you, but I've like really struggled with this because I don't like my job. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't feel empowered. I'm not reaching my potential. I think it's all a big scam, but I worked my entire life to go to college and to literally get this job. Like that was entire decade of my life was to do this. And then I get yeah. here and I'm making PowerPoint slides. And I'm like, okay, where's the liberation? Where's the freedom and the empowerment I'm supposed to be feeling? Because I got none of it. I get it. No, I get it. Absolutely. It doesn't feel empowering at all. It, it, it doesn't matter how much they pay you. And even at my corporate job, I was getting great pay, great benefits. I was traveling like every month. I was collecting mileage points like crazy and hotel points like crazy. Like it was amazing. Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're so like, you have the best job and you're so lucky and blah, blah, blah. It's like, but I didn't feel lucky at all. Like I, I took what I needed to learn from in working in that environment and I used it to benefit where I am today. So I will give it that credit. But as far as spending my life working for somebody else and them telling me what to do, how to do it, when to do it, what to think on top of all of that, um, that, that was never in my, in the plans for my life or for me. And, um, I think you're absolutely for you commoner, like you're absolutely well on your way. You're still young. So I'm not going to say like you have all the time in the world, but you have some time. Um, and it seems like you're in a situation with your boyfriend where you're on the same page with what you're doing right now. And I'm, I mean, really, it's just a matter of time before like you blow up and you're just going to be like, bye, I'm going to do this full time. And I think that's really great. And again, like with raising a family, you're so much more flexible if you run your own business. Like I like to refer to, and I've tweeted this a couple of times, the Proverbs 31 woman, she literally like she wakes up in the morning, takes care of her family, takes care of her servants. I don't have any servants, you know, but this is, you know, way back when in ancient times, right? She takes care of her family, takes care of her servants, takes care of her household. And then she goes to the market and sells her goods. And then when she's done with that, she comes home and her family is still her priority. So that's who I aspire to be. That's my model. And I think that's really amazing. I think that's an ideal and it and I hope you can change other people's minds or not even change people's minds, but just give women an opportunity to know that there's something else out there than big law and investment banking if they want to be driven, ambitious and quote unquote empowered. And still be true to your faith and your value because it was really jarring to me when I was working in the corporate world and they were pushing a lot of these agendas on us already. And it really, it was like, it like crushed my soul in a way. Like, I just didn't feel like my soul was happy with that. And it wasn't. And and now I am. But back then, I was just like, I cannot pretend to be in line with this kind of stuff. I just can't. It's not who I am. Like, I'm very, like, straightforward person about my values and my beliefs. And when I'm sitting in a meeting and they're saying, like, this is what we're doing now. This is our political belief. And, like, we're not saying you need to toe the line, but we're kind of saying you need to toe the line. I just couldn't do it. (laughs) 
No, I I completely relate to that. Like the company-wide emails, whenever something happens in the news that needs to be commented on and this is the company position, this is what is expected of you. I I totally relate to that. It's not something I want long-term in the slightest. Exactly. And there are a lot of Christians who are who are in business for, for themselves, a lot of examples in the Bible. There's nothing unchristian about having a business. What's unchristian is when you are giving into world beliefs. I always like try to lead by principle. Even the people who work for me, they are of the same value set that I have mm-hmm. and I trust them. And I'm happy that I can hire people like that who've, who have the same worldview as I do. Um, because if you work for a corporation, you have to hire based on quotas. You have to hire this many females, this many, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to go into detail. So you're also, one thing also about your business is you can hire, like, it, like I don't want to be a corporation because then I'm going to have to follow those types of rules. I want to be in a situation where I have enough to be comfortable, but also that I can follow my rules and follow God's rules. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you mention you get to hire people that uh, follow your values now because you are the boss. When I was struggling with this uh, vaccine mandate, I was really, really stuck. Like, I thought they were going to fire me. I just moved to a new city. Like, I did not know what to do. And my professor, who's basically like my uncle now, he was like, you're going to be surprised when you fight this. People may reach out to you who wish they had done what you did or like regret their choice now or find out in some way because I have to tell people why I'm on Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. You may Mm -hmm. be surprised about the people who reach out to you. And super fascinating thing happened is that someone I told, told another person, but they were like on my team. And that person was very, very high up in the company, like really high up. And I get an email and they say, hey, commoner, uh, I heard that you are an interesting person or something like that. And I think interesting people at this company should get to know each other. And so I just made this very valuable connection to a very senior person at this company by making the decision that I felt was morally right. And that was a lot more interesting than doing what everybody else did. And I thought, wow, that that came true. And good for you. You never you, know. You never Absolutely. know. You plant in seeds. You're planting the seeds. You're standing up for your values. That's extremely important. And more people should do that. One of the reasons why I was so intense about the vaccine mandate is because I just read a Jordan Peterson book, and it was called 12 Rules for Life, if anyone's ever heard of it. And rule number eight was uh, always tell the truth or at least don't lie. And it was not about lying to other people. It was about lying to yourself. And he said Mm -hmm. the way that they get decent people to do bad things, like the German police officer who's not a bad guy is suddenly complicit in all of the horrible things that happened. How did he get put in that position? The way they make good people do bad things is by making them lie to themselves slowly over time. So it's like, it doesn't really matter on this one. Like, it's an inconvenience. I'll let it slide this one time. Like, it's just a star on their armband or it's just they have to live in this certain area. And then you lie to yourself about things that you know aren't right, that you know are wrong. And that's how they get you to do bad things in the end. And I just think that you got to draw a line in the sand from the start. You do, especially these days, because um, it's everywhere. I mean, this propaganda is everywhere. It's in commercials, in movies, it's in streaming shows, it's in, it's in corporations. You know, it's you're hit from every angle today. So you have to be very proactive about what you allow to seep into your mind. Basically, trash in, trash out. You've heard that, mm-hmm. um, and be very focused on what. Are, what is important to you, your values, and how you want to live your life. Because otherwise, if you're just like we talked about earlier, be like a consumer, open to all of these um, psyops mm-hmm. <laughs> and agendas and et cetera, et cetera, you're going to end up really lost and confused, which I think are like basically a lot of people these days. Um, so you have to be very fixated on sticking to your values, which I feel like is what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I totally, totally agree with what you're saying. I think that tolerance in and of itself is kind of a psyop. And that sounds really brutal. Growing up, I thought the most tolerant person is the most moral person, the best person. And I do not think that anymore. I think that makes you vulnerable, easily confused, exposed, 
You have to have things that you believe in. You have to have things that you know are true. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I totally agree. And like, that's why some people may not get me because I am pretty straightforward about what I believe in, in my value system. And I don't waver um, on that. And I'm okay with it. If people don't appreciate that, <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> that's fine. But that's what my life is going to be. And that's how it's going to be. And if I'm too straightforward for you, that's fine because you're used to living on easy mode and letting everyone make decisions for you, not knowing what you really want, not caring about your value system in the first place. So I think living life on easy mode, it's, I was talking to Ox about this, that the hardest part about breaking out of the rat race or being an NPC is that it's so comfortable. Everything is comfort. And so living your life on easy mode, that's exactly why people are stuck because they can't handle any amount of discomfort. You obviously can handle a lot of discomfort. <laughs> yeah. No pain, no gain. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I put myself through the fire intentionally and I come out from it stronger. And I think, um, you know, there are a lot of people who do that too. And I, I, I think that's very helpful. Like you have to do hard things to grow as a person. And I suggest that to everybody. I, I'm really, really glad I stumbled to this random corner of the internet through John Cernovich or Mike Cernovich. Sorry, Cernovich. That's how I found it. That's, Is that how you found it too? I found it too. I think yes. that's how everybody did. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was like last summer when I saw him start retweeting Bull. And so I was like, what is this? And I was like anti-social media at that point. Like I had other accounts that were like conservative accounts that got suspended. And you know me, like I've been suspended. It's a badge of honor. I'm cool with it. Like it's all good. Everybody knows my first parrotfish account was suspended. Cool. You know why? Because I was just posting my real thoughts. But you know what? It's okay. I'm back. I'm back. I'm better than ever. Like you and can't you're back at like ten thousand followers from zero. Like not even a couple months ago. So we're, we're coming up here. So like, you know, we don't give up. We don't, you know, throw in the towel. Like again, there's a place and a time for social media. But at the same time, like we're in a community trying to like offer what I can to the community but you know you gotta you gotta also set time for your business you have to set time for your personal life everything's a balance you gotta try to be balanced yeah I relate to the social media I had watched social dilemma and had completely starved myself of all social media like I was really proud of myself I was completely clean and then I joined the jungle like I found it on my computer and then that just went right off a cliff. <laughs> Talk about addicting. <laughs> and I've talked to other people in the jungle like, man, I need to cut back because <laughs> this is addicting and it's pulling me away from the other things I need to do. I need to be like more focused again, like get back to me. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great accounts in the jungle. Yours, sales guy, Ox, 100%. Like Heifer has been so helpful. She's so funny. She makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And she's really great at like graphics and art. Wi-Fi money guy, Octopod, come on, you know? Yeah. Um, Tetra, Opossum. I mean, like I could go on. Like recently, like Bowtie Broke is really interesting. Yeah. Um, Reader, um, Odin, Brazidan, so many good accounts in there, um, in the jungle, like, but there's so many accounts that have also impacted me. And I really appreciate all of you and the value that you've provided to me. And I've learned so much and also grown so much from my experience in the jungle. I'm not going to say a hundred percent of it has been positive. You know, this, there have been some negative things, but at the same time, that's just like life anyway, right? You've got, you've got the good people. You've got some not so great people either way use your filters, use your value system to connect with the people that, you know, align with you and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, the opportunities I've had to talk to truly just experts, people who have made it work, people have proven experience in every single field and they just hop on the phone. Like it's no big deal. It's been just like an amazing, amazing experience. And people at my work are like, oh, you got to go to business school to make connections. And I'm like, you don't know who I've got in my roller decks. I don't need to go to business school. <laughs> true. I mean, like we say banks are zeros, but at this point, like we can say colleges are zeros too. Mm-hmm. Like 
unless you have like a really specific major that actually is in demand, like every other, most college majors are not going to be worth a dime when you get out of college. So with my business, most important lessons I learned were from experience, not from books, not from my, my background and my college degree. How do you go about hiring people? What do you look for? Definitely ambition, motivation, consistency, people that are reliable is really important. Um, And I don't necessarily like ask them if they're what their faith is, but uh, there are some things I ask where I can tell, like I'll ask them what they think of this current event (laughs) and the way they answer (laughs) will tell me what I need to know. I don't think that's shady. I think that's like totally fine. It's my business and it's your business and you get to run it how you want to run it. So that's exactly what I've always wanted to do. Of course, experience, like they don't have to be like 20 years experience. Like I understand you need a starting point, but like people that can get the job done, you know, that I can rely on. And I've been grateful because the people that are working with me have been with me for like over three years now, the same people. And I think I attribute it to a, like the way I screen them, but B, I am not a micromanager. I trust people will make the right decisions and do the right thing. And I just basically say, this is what I need this week. This is what I need this month. I think the separation of resume from college degree is coming hopefully, um, more and more. And I think that's just a net positive for society. I agree. There are definitely majors that you need to go to school for, like electrical engineering or something like that, computer science. But beyond that, like, what do you think of a marketing degree? Do you think that's in any way helpful? For any business to be successful, you need to understand how crucial sales and marketing are to any business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Even if you're selling to private clients, you need to understand how to sell to them so that they want to buy from you so that you offer something that resonates with what they're looking for. And also that the price point is something that they're comfortable with. And that means not lowering your price, but it means offering enough value that they don't care about the price. That only comes with an understanding of sales and marketing. As far as a marketing degree, there are so many online resources today that you can study, self-study to teach you marketing. Like if you just go to like a site, like you've heard of HubSpot, they have a ton of online marketing content. You can definitely do self-study and not necessarily a marketing degree because I feel like a lot of these professors that are teaching marketing today, respectfully, this is just my opinion, they're not in marketing anymore. They're teaching stuff that like worked for them like 10, 15 years ago, right? I think you need, it's more important to learn from somebody that's actually doing it on a daily basis and, and getting the experience yourself, which you will get if you start a business, you're going to have to market, you're going to have to advertise, you're going to have to sell. I think you can learn that from experience and from people that are actually doing it, like sales guy, like Wi-Fi money guy, like Tetra, like Tetra, he gives so much search engine optimization mm-hmm. alpha that I think that's like extremely crucial for having an online business. They don't offer degrees for that, but you can like read read Tetra's Substack. You can go online to like a site like HubSpot and learn all about it or search engine land and learn all about it. And so, yeah, I don't know that a marketing degree is as valuable today. No, I, I totally agree with that. And the reason why I ask is because you mentioned previously how important it is. I just doubt how much you can learn for that from a 20-year-old textbook. As you just said, I had friends that did that major and they would do case studies for companies that were 15 years old. And how do people sell product today? Like through TikTok and on Instagram, like there's just nothing related to that. And they have digital marketing majors that are slightly more updated, I think, but I can't justify a marketing degree, even though it's so useful, like the actual skill. I agree. Like I, I think even with like uh, software and programming and cybersecurity and things of that sort, you don't have to go to college for that. Like a lot of times these, the top people in those fields are just, have just like either self-taught or, uh, and, or taken certifications. Cause a lot of times you'll need certified in like programming language and things of that sort that really will get you hired pretty much anywhere. Yeah. And I think it shows so much more initiative to say on your resume, I have built these four things and you show them that you did that rather than just taking a class. That's one thing that's really nice about computer science is that you can build a resume 
with just a computer. Whereas if you major in aerospace engineering, it's hard to build (laughs) the thing that you want to do. You have to somehow build a model airplane or something, but you can just create your own portfolio of projects, which is really, really nice for computer scientists. Just talking about computer science now, this is completely off topic. Chat GPT, have you used it to help your business in any way? I haven't used it and I see a lot of people talking about, I've seen people talking about it a lot on Twitter. I feel like it might be good for like a starter, like if you need like starter prompts or starter text, but for the most part, like you need to understand like what exactly you're trying, what you're trying to convey specifically. Mm And it needs to fit your target audience um, primarily. And so it's, to me, it's a lot more generic in my opinion. I'm sure it's gonna get better over time because of the AI and the machine learning and the natural language processing as that gets better. I'm not really interested in using it, but I understand why people are in awe of it and like excited about it or not excited about it. To me, it's like no big deal. Yeah, that's optimistic to me. I get worried about automating away a lot of jobs. Like my job, trying to think, a lot of the desk research, probably chat GPT could accomplish arguably faster. Writing summaries of longer articles, it could do that. But I guess there's still a value to um, human ingenuity, which is nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not worried about it. People who use, who are starting to use chat, GPT primarily, um, they don't really have an understanding yet of like their target audience because it's really mostly generic stuff. And again, that's how it is now. It's not even on my radar unless people bring it up on Twitter. <laughs> that's probably the best place for it. One of the people I work with, he's like a year older than me. He tries to use it for like every task. He just sees what it comes up with, which is kind of interesting to see. What do you think is the most difficult thing to make on your e-commerce site from a creativity perspective like is it the content you need to write is it the offer itself is it I don't know some of the advertising like what do you think is the most difficult but the most important thing that you have to get right um certainly your value proposition and also uh writing your product description in a way that convey your uh, unique value proposition making sure that it resonates with your target audience um a lot of people are so excited to start e-commerce and they should be like, I think it's the place to be. I think it's a great place to start a business. I think it's a great way to start your Wi-Fi money journey. But at the same time, simultaneously, like you need to understand what your customers want. And that begins with understanding who your customer is. And so I've tweeted a lot about understanding your target audience, how to create a buyer persona so that you have somebody in mind when you're writing your product descriptions, when you're writing your value proposition as to what they're looking for. Like for instance, your buyer persona is a guy named Jim. He's 45, he has two kids, he lives in the suburbs. He wants something that will help save time, will make his life easier and will make his wife happy, et cetera, et cetera, right? <laughs> How would you write your product descriptions to appeal to Jim? Or if, you're, if your target audience is Gina, who is a... Um, uh, she works in marketing, right? And she's like 35 years old and she loves makeup. Like, what would you write so that she's attracted to your product or service? The product description is extremely important. How you write it, be detailed enough, but also make sure that it resonates with your target audience, your buyer personas, your value proposition needs to resonate with them and it needs to be consistent. Really, you need to offer products that are in demand. It's one thing to be like, oh my gosh, I love like purple crystals and I love the way they look as a belt. And I want to make these purple crystal belts because they're my favorite thing to wear. But who's going to buy it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who else but you is going to buy a purple crystal belt? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm cracking myself up, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's great that you love to wear purple crystal belts when you go out, but like, who is going to, who's the audience for that? So. <laughs> Another part of business is you have to reconcile what you like and what your customers like and and figure out the happy medium where you're offering something that you're proud to offer, but is also in demand and how you how you word it and how you present it um, needs to resonate with your target audience. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it did. I'm just a little bit offended as my purple crystal belt is staring at me in the face, sitting in my closet. I really liked it. I was pretty happy with it. So whatever. Anyways, I completely relate to um, you need to make the content that is actually in demand. I've, I've learned that one the hard way. So I don't know if you're familiar, but I made this video detailing how the federal bureaucracy became this gluttonous monstrosity. And we lost, you know, the protection of private property and personal rights and all these things for the sake of progress. 200 views. I made a video explaining how the waist circumference of the American female has increased dramatically and how many women are actually in your dating pool with the certain parameters that you've chosen. 10,000 views. I can't win, but so now I'm just doing, trying to do a happy medium, trying to do a happy medium. I'll get there one day. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's really smart. And yeah, it helps to look, um, use social media cues, you know, to help you out as well. Like, that's really important. Like, what are people talking about? What's the hot topic, right? Mm. So- Absolutely. And that's exactly what you did. And that's really smart. Do you use Google Trends for that? What would you use? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Google Trends. And off the top of my head, I look at Amazon, look at their top selling products, right? Um, You could either sell the same thing or make something better. Like look at the the features of their top selling products, find a manufacturer. Like I have a sub stack on how to find manufacturers. So check out my Substack, Bowtie Parrotfish, you'll find it, um, and work with them. And so make something better, right? You can do that. It's really so much easier to do that today than it was even 10 years ago. Um, so that's like, that's, that, that goes back to all the opportunities you have today digitally to start a Wi-Fi business and start a, a successful one. I mean, just really just look at Amazon and look at, look at what people are buying and mm-hmm. see what you'd like to sell. I think that's the biggest thing I have learned is I was concerned about niches or products being too competitive or video ideas being too competitive. And if something is working, something is selling, there's ads that are continuously being run, like there's money to be made in that area or there's like a reaction video. How many reaction videos can you make about a vice panel? Turns out you can make a lot and people will still watch them. It's amazing. (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. There's a lot, there is enough for everybody. Okay. Like you don't, don't feel like, okay, this is oversaturated unless it actually is like do your market research, right? Do your competitive research, check out your competitors, check out Amazon, but there is enough People talk about pet stuff all the time. Pet stuff is hot, is super hot. And if you can find like something specific within the pet industry that makes you stand out, like you're going to do well, right? But there is a lot of money to be made, like just just for an example, in the pet industry. So there is enough for all of us, right? So don't give up just because you think, oh, everybody's already doing that. I, I'm not, I don't need to do it. You can do it. You can do it. Just like make it a little bit more unique, add a few more features, you know, you're going to be golden. Right. You take something that already works and just improve it. I think that is probably the best way to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel to start. Don't get a patent. <laughs> Let's make sure this thing has a place to go. Yeah. yeah. Really crazy story. I'm In college, actually, I was interning at this company, we'll call it, and there was this guy there and I was like his direct report. And he was this crazy inventor and he had six kids. He used to ride with the, what are they called? The devil's angels. What are they called? They're on the motor, but I'm so embarrassed. They're on the motorcycle. Hell's angels, hell's angels. And he would ride across the country with them. And he had written his own patent from reading other patents. So he went to the library, which was two hours away. And he read other patents in the same industry. And he came back. And he wrote his own patent with no help. No, wow. And then he submitted it and it worked. That's the only way. And he had no money. And then someone offered a million dollars for his patent and he turned them down. That wow. is self-confidence. That is 100% self-confidence. <laughs> and that is really inspiring. And that is a, a perfect example. Yeah. He, he did it. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. I said patent and I thought of that, but again, don't get a patent. Make sure people want to buy the thing that you're making first. Um, as we were just saying, <laughs> um, you're going to get your 
that against the wall, like I said, if you just want everyone to like love your purple crystal belt, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm sure it's wonderful for you and that's great. And it's great that it makes you feel like amazing and gorgeous, but like, you know, you're just gonna have to understand that not everybody's gonna feel the same way. Do you, have you ever made a purple crystal belt? Like, did this not work <laughs> for you? Like, where's the, the anger coming from? <laughs> No, it's just, you know, like crystals seem to be a big thing these days. So I just yep. thought, yeah, <laughs> I like crystals. Sure. I think they're pretty and everything. But yeah, it's, it's all about just understanding what the market wants, you know. Okay, wait, like I, I just had an idea. So astrology is this huge thing for women right now. What if we made a crystal belt for men? So it was like <laughs> a dating item so they could walk up to their spiritual girl at the bar and be like, did you know this is a crystal belt that... <laughs> assigns my chakras where it needs to go I'm a Pisces oh like, <laughs> oh I think that's God. a better offer I'm gonna text Wi-Fi money guy right now <laughs> <laughs> well this has been so fun <laughs> I've had so an fun. absolute blast um oh my gosh thank you so much it's been fantastic awesome well so where would you like to direct people now? Thank you so much for coming on. So of course, your Twitter and your Substack. But is there anywhere else you would like them to go? Um, no, that is that is my main, like I'm on Twitter and I write a Substack, two or three Substacks a week um, with primarily e-commerce, um, e-commerce advice and suggestions and actionable tips. Um, so check it out, Bowtie Parrotfish. Um, most of my content actually is free. There are a few paid that are more um, in-depth um, regarding like e-commerce e tips. Um, but if you're getting into e-commerce, which I think like everybody should get into these days, um, I mean, basically like according to NASDAQ in 2025, I think they're predicting um, that 50% of businesses are gonna be online and you know that number is just gonna grow. So you're still early, so get in now, start learning now, start experiencing it now, right? Um, and and I'm gonna share my experience with you and hope you find that valuable. And yeah, so Twitter and Substack's where you can find me. And thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and talking to you is so easy. And I love your content as well. And I fully support you and I'm really excited for what your future looks like commoner. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And I am always surprised by how much free content there is. Like I'm always surprised when I read an article, I'm like, wow, that was free direct information on exactly what I need to know. So everybody go over to your Substack right now. You will not regret it. And again, time to get off easy mode, burn the boats, people. Burn the boats. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.